The gold rush of managed services is quickly coming to an end. Over the next 10 years, we're going to see a consolidation and culling of managed service providers across the board. That's a direct quote from Tim Conkle, the CEO of the 20, the MSP consortium. To put a finer point on it, there are more than 40,000 MSPs in the U.S. alone. The ones that are going to survive and thrive are those that will take advantage of the massive and growing to the tune of $80 billion cybersecurity and compliance opportunity. That's where Aptiga comes in. Aptiga is the end-to-end GRC platform that security-focused IT providers use to build and manage world-class cybersecurity and compliance programs for their clients simply, quickly, and affordably. It's trusted by hundreds of MSPs and MSSPs who are growing lucrative security practices, creating stickier customer relationships, and winning more business from competitors. For more, visit aptiga.com. That's A-P-P-T-E-G-A.com. All right. Hello and welcome everyone to the Risky Business Podcast presented by Aptiga. I'm your host, Robert Hilson, and today I have the pleasure to be joined by Heather Lance, the Senior Vice President of Cybersecurity Services at Ascend Technologies. Ascend is a rapidly growing MSP based in Chicago that, among other things, specializes in security and compliance. Uh, they were just named actually to the Inc. 5000 list of fastest growing private companies in the country. Uh, and Heather, in her over seven plus years there, has occupied a variety of high profile roles from Heather heads of sales to COO. Uh, so she's seen this business from really from all sides. Um, so Heather, thanks a lot for being here. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is great. It's, um, it is going to be great. Um, so, so let me ask you this. Uh, we're going to spend the majority of the conversation here discussing VCSO offerings um, and how you can provide those services in a way that is both is basically uh, mutually beneficial to both sides. But before we do that, just tell us a little bit more about your role at Ascend. Well, yeah, uh, the the SVP of the cybersecurity. We have several role, several line of businesses at Ascend, and cybersecurity is one of those lines of business. And um, I head up that that line for Ascend, and it's anything under the cybersecurity realm, from professional services to our entire managed service platform, um, and all the all the um, employees and and uh, services within it. So, so what does like your day to day look like? Um, typically, the day to day comes. In and um, you know we run run some meetings. I look at some metrics, check emails. The team really runs on their own. Um, the day to day operations are we have great managers and great VPs in place that really run the day to day operations team. I do a lot of vendor engagement, uh, talking to our vendors, um, really looking at strategy with the vendors, um, trying to help develop any or looking for new services out there or building building out our platform the best we can. We want to be a robust MSSP out there in the world. And so we're always looking for what's new and what's to come. Awesome. So you uh, you have your hands in a, in a lot of a lot of things here. Um, so to kind of kick off the conversation, we're talking about VCSOs. When an organization is considering how from a from a people perspective, it might start to fill some of these gaps around cybersecurity and compliance. There are different ways to go about this, right? Like they can hire people internally, um, they can they can outsource, they can look for a VC so. Um, what's your mind is kind of the ideal VC so offering? Like what what does that look like from the the organization's perspective? Yeah, so we get lots of questions around our VC so and our clients really um really don't know what to ask sometimes. And so at times we need to become the consultant for them and kind of drive them to help understand what they need from a VCSO service. So um, from our perspective, you want your VCSO to handle um, 
all things other than your managed service, right? So you want to be able to uh, work with your VCSO to have a very candid um, conversation. You don't want your VCSO to be your best friend. You know, you want to have a strong relationship and be able to take, um, you know, the bad with the good there. Um, they're here to help develop you and make sure that your company is secure. And so they're going to bring in some some um, not so good news at times. And, and that's okay. We can solve that not so good news too. We just have to hear it first. Yeah, right. Um, you know, and to build that service, you're looking at things like you know, what type of framework that company needs and is under um, for their compliance perspective and what type of risk are they willing to take? You know, we can make anybody secure. Um, <laughs> could be expensive and you may not be able to do any productivity, but you can be secure. And so we need to find that balance for each one of our clients and work with them. And it's really um, developing that strong relationship and becoming that trusted thought leader for them. So what are, what are the clients typically weighing to determine kind of what level of security offerings they need and in turn, like what, what they're looking for, for a VC. So like resources would be one of them, um, you know, frameworks that they need to meet. What are, what's, what are kind of the other things? Um, yeah. Resources is, is big. Do you have internal resources within mm -hmm. um, their staffing? You know, uh, many clients don't come with a cybersecurity kind of arm within their company. Mm -hmm. uh, they'll come with one or two people or maybe somebody on the internal IT team. Uh, you know, and 10 years ago, that was acceptable. You know, having IT take care of your security, that was fine. There wasn't an issue with that. But with the evolution that security has gone through now, that's no longer okay. You need to have those security experts in place. Uh, so staffing is a lot of it. Do you have the staffing? Do you have the people with the knowledge and the skill sets to really focus on your security? Um, and and uh, right now, those people are expensive and they're few and far between. Um, I think I just read an article from Fortune or Forbes that the cybersecurity industry is like a 3.4 million employee shortage going on right now. And, and I don't expect that to slow down at any, any, you know, any means. So if you're looking for a job, cybersecurity is yeah. a good place to jump into. Um, so I think, you know, staffing's one of it. Cost is one of it. You know, a budget to stay secure is, is always hard to come by. Um, you know, do you stay productive or do you stay secure? You know, I think you have to weigh that risk when you're in a company. Uh, and then compliance, you know, auditors out there, SEC requirements are out there uh, that will really drive their decision. Can they can they meet compliance without a VCSO or VCSO services? Um, and if they can't, they need to really look out outsourcing that. So when you tee this up, you distinguish between the offerings of the VCSO and, and the managed services. How should organizations, like what's the relationship between those two and how should organizations be thinking about that? Uh, that's a great question. We get that all of the time. You know, why would we hire a VCSO or an MSP to be our VCSO? You know, mm -hmm. why would you, you kind of put your, all your eggs in one basket? And, you know, there's some real advantages to that. And then there's a few disadvantages and each company kind of has to weigh it, weigh um, those against themselves. So, you know, some advantages is you have one vendor. Everybody is looking to reduce vendors to manage, you know, a ton of vendors is hard. So you have one vendor that can bring in all of your managed services. So from firewall to antivirus to, um, you know, vulnerability scanning, any managed service you want, you can look at an MSSP for. And, uh, and that's really great because then you're just managing that one MSSP if you're a client. And then the final thing is being able to have their VCSO or their professional arm also there. Uh, again, you don't have to go outside of that. You can use your um, already established relationship to deliver that. 
you know, um, a real advantage is to be able to have the VC so in the same business. So if there is a breach or that there is an alert or an issue coming up, you have the one vendor and they're the same teams talking to each other and you can get it solved very, very quickly before it expands or really becomes an issue. And so that is a huge advantage of that, of course. Costing is usually a little bit better. If you can say within one vendor, you always can drive cost (laughs) and pricing um, with that vendor, especially if there's long-term relationships in place. Um, So those are some advantages. You know, the disadvantage basically is you're using the same vendor to check themselves on their security. So that is something that you always have to weigh. Um, There are ways that MSSPs work with that. Um, You know, uh, we keep our pro services really separate from our managed services. Um, They're under the same VP, but they're really kind of two separate teams, have different managers and really have different viewpoints, but are so close enough that they can help each other. You know, uh, your knowledge of your VCSO services really can improve your managed services because they can give you a heads up for what's coming down the pipeline um, from a compliance perspective or a risk perspective where we can uh, fix that and address that even before it, it's out there as a requirement. Mm-hmm. So we'll kind of stay ahead of the game that way by keeping that knowledge in place. Yeah, we'll, we'll put, so you you threw out a stat around kind of the the talent shortfall in cybersecurity. I was actually, there was a, a Forbes article that was talking about um, basically the the lack of security expertise at the highest levels of organizations. And it's something like 90% of all public companies don't have anybody with any cyber cybersecurity experience on specifically on their board of directors. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's that's pertinent now because the, the SEC is actually um, has proposed and it looks like they're coming down the pike regulations that will basically uh, make public companies disclose, whether or not they have that competency, uh, you know, at the highest levels of their organizations. And so the question to you is like, how do you, how are you all, um, Ascend and other MSPs kind of looking at that opportunity to start, not just fill in some of these, these gaps kind of in the rank and file, but maybe at the higher levels too. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly, um, that's a good problem to have when you're an MSP, right? Yeah, you, sure. you want, you want compliance and you want SAC to drive those requirements because then that drives business for you. You have a supporting kind of entity outside of your own company supporting that and and other experts telling these clients that they have to, you know, um, address these type of things. Um, You know, the SEC is is really changing or evolving security. We've seen it evolve a few times over the last kind of 10 years or my tenure in security and, and it's doing it again. And it's coming from the SEC. You know, they're forcing companies to be more proactive in their knowledgeable support um, and their staffing. They're forcing boards to have at least one person on the board with cybersecurity background. So those people are expensive mm-hmm. and there's not a lot of them out there. And so the VCSO aspect is to be able to, you know, be that board representative for some companies and um, help deliver what they need from a governance perspective is really driving that. And I believe we're going to have more and more companies look for that because you're not going to be able to keep CISOs in companies very long. Um, and I think that they're just expensive. And we even have some clients that, you know, they have a CISO and they still want to be CISO program to support that CISO for resiliency or for oh, interesting. vacations and time gaps and stuff. And so, um, you know, we even have companies like that that ask for those things. So I expect this to evolve again, and I expect when the SEC to really drive these home, um, there more companies are going to need a VCSO program to help um, them be prepared for those um, these changes that are coming our way. 
yeah, it seems like that'll definitely be the case. So let me ask you this. When a company like Ascend is looking to hire people that are ultimately going to be, um, you know, consulted out in a VC, VC so role, like what are you looking for in terms of like the competency, the background and the expertise that these people, you know, ideally should have? Yeah, um, it's tough because you have your kind of hard skills, your experience and your certifications that are out there. And a lot of people can gain those. But it's really a different role to be a CISO versus a VCSO. Mm. You know, CISO, you get to make all the decisions, right? You have <laughs> the authority of the aspect. A VCSO, you have a responsibility and a need to be a consultant, um, you know, because you're trying to influence environments that you don't necessarily have full control over. Um, and full decision-making power. So we have to be able to consult with our partners um, and our clients to understand, you know, where they want to go and what kind of risk tolerance they have there. Um, so when I'm looking for people, you know, I look, I look for the relationship builders because, you know, if you have a relationship, you can get a lot farther with any of our clients um, and just anywhere in general, we're human. We all want relationships. So the, the people that can build relationships with us, we're going to give them more time. We're going to give them more understanding. We're going to give them more leeway. And so I look for people that can build those relationships, um, you know, with their, with both levels. So you'll have a level, level of a C-suite within our clients, but you also have the, um, you know, kind of uh, IT admins that you have to have real relationships with and help them build. Cause, and a lot of times we're creating more work for them, right? Right. So if we don't do their managed services or their infrastructure side, we're creating more work for the company um, to meet their compliance requirements. So the relationship builder is a, is a very important aspect of, of a VC. So um, I would ask for like consistency, proof of consistency. So that is something that's also very um, important. Uh, you need to be able to communicate in a consistent manner, have consistent meetings. And I'm not only talking about consistency as far as every month, same time, same place every month, but uh, on deliverables. Are we delivering the same thing in a consistent manner? Because if we're not, we're going to get to the end of the contract or the end of the year when their audit does up and we're not going to be prepared for it. And neither is the client. And that's going to be just a clear panic um, and just cause a lot of unnecessary frustration and concern. So consistency um, clarity and communication is super important. Uh, you know, a lot of the things we try and communicate, we need to be very direct, um, cordial, but direct because we can't sugarcoat things, but bad news doesn't get better with time. <laughs> so we want to make sure they hear the bad news out front and address it as soon as possible. So, um, again, if we wait to the end and they find out they don't pass their audit or don't get their insurance, um, for the next year, I mean, that's, that's bad for business and it's bad for them. And so we want to make sure that we're clear up front with what we need done, when we need it done and why that's important to get completed. Um, and then, you know, honesty, because, you know, some of our messages aren't always great. And yeah. so we need to be direct and honest and make sure um, we communicate the gaps appropriately. And with that, we can um, mitigate risk and have solutions in place for them before the bad day really ha does happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well put. Um, do you look for people specifically that have um, in-house experience and maybe like recent in-house experience too? Or are you actually like kind of more looking for people who have more of a consulting background? I mean, you said that, you know, a CISO is not the same as a VC, yeah. they're totally different roles, right? So how do you think about that? You know, I've had both and I okay. don't necessarily have a preference. Okay. Um, we've had both that have CISO backgrounds that come in and have to develop, you know, they're more consultative 
um, you know, and even cyber knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have a managed service team that can help with that too. So we have that side, but I've also had the other side of great consultants come in and be able to work just very well in a VC so goal. So um, it's really the personality and, and this is something that you don't come in with all the knowledge. You don't come in with the degree and all the skills and know what you're doing. Um, you really have to be able to be willing to learn and develop um, and continue to learn because cybersecurity will never stand still. So, so you, you throw out like personality, relationship builder, somebody who's like a clear communicator, somebody who's like not going to BS you. Um, I mean, it seems like like being able to gauge kind of culture fit with the company is kind of mm-hmm. that's kind of like the catch all for that. Mm-hmm. Like when you're when you're kind of brokering these relationships, like how do you how do you do that? Like how do you kind of gauge the culture fit? Well, um, for us, we do have multiple VCSOs where we're able to shift VCSOs in and out of relationships. And there are some clients that want a different type of VCSO. Okay. You know? um, and it just depends of their their kind of culture. So we can kind of have to fit their culture and, and their needs. Um, and we've had to shift VCSOs and it's nothing to do with the VCSO. It's just a difference um, of the company. You know, if they can't hear what you're saying, then we need someone else to say it. Yep. And so we just kind of flip-flop it. And we do that from time to time. Um, but really, you just get a good gut feel. You know, we have an onboarding process of, of the VCSO, and usually we have a couple people on that call. Um, and we do that. We don't necessarily assign somebody right before that. Sometimes we do have somebody assigned. But in general, you know, we may not assign somebody and, and wait till after that call and get a good feeling. So if it's a company that has that knows their frameworks, that knows their clear plan, that knows their objectives. We may put somebody that maybe isn't as um, experienced in the consultative market, but can really execute well on those because we already have the plans established. But if we have a customer or a client that, um, you know, doesn't know their framework, doesn't know what the requirements are, doesn't have any policies written, you know, which happens, um, then we probably will put somebody more experienced like that can really start from scratch and 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 be a consultant and write those policies and and not have as kind of a, a puzzle piece put together it's they kind of have to develop that puzzle as they go yeah sure um this is just like an observation of mine you tell me whether this is right or wrong but it seems like there's occasionally or maybe even often a misconception on the client side that if I hire a VC so like they're not only going to kind of lay out the roadmap for me but they're going to be the ones like hands-on doing all of the work too and a lot of the times it's like no I actually I need like internal not just internal stakeholders but like somebody who's actually going to own some of this stuff that is going to be you know that's going to be passed on Mm -hmm. um a is that the case and b if it is like how do you kind of set that expectation with the client so that everybody kind of knows what is expected of them yeah, we do that for the, from the beginning, but you're absolutely right. Some clients, and it depends on the clients, if they have zero uh, um, experience in ABC so program or how that works, yeah, they may come in with um, expectations that really like off the wall, like, you know, you have to do all the work and that's just not the case because, you know, we didn't build their environment. And so we don't necessarily know everything within their environment and they're going to have to help us. There. Mm-hmm. So um, we do that through kind of a series of meetings up front when we um, implement and um, we, we call it, it's our onboarding phase. Um, and we onboard the client and we have, you know, some interviews to understand their key players. Uh, of course, we want to understand their objectives, where they came from and where they're going as far as the company. So uh, what's going to change their footprint? Um, so are they acquiring companies? Are they opening a new warehouse? You know, all of those things are super important for us. 
Are they switching frameworks? Um, you know, some companies will hire VCs when they're switching from like the CIS framework to a NIST framework or a SOC 2 compliance. Um, and those are big jumps. And so we need to understand, you know, that. So we will work through that process and then and then we call out, like we get the key players and, and, and help them understand what their, um, you know, responsibilities are versus our responsibilities. Now, if we manage their environment, that's a bit different because yeah. we're able, you know, to handle the changes of the tool sets. But, you know, the policy writing, the documentation, you know, part of the VCSA program is making sure you have all of that in place and in a place where their employees can access it. And then where their employees can get trained and we don't have anything to do with those pieces, but we have to make sure that they're written and that, that where they have them will meet the, the compliance requirements and the auditor's needs and, and are up to date and things like that. Okay. Awesome. Um, let me ask you this. When you are pitching prospective clients on VCSO offerings, and it's like clear that this is something that they absolutely need, but there might be some some resistance to it. Like, How are you articulating the value proposition to them? Um, it really depends on the client. Some clients want to know deliverable base. What can you deliver me, right? And other clients are, okay, I get the deliverables, but what type of thought leader are you to me? What Tell me what I don't know. And so you have to really gauge during that, um, you know, conversation of what they want. So, you know, if they want deliverable base, we can talk through the deliverables that we can deliver on a monthly basis. Um you know, or quarterly basis, what our requirements or suggestions are. Um, some of those are driven by compliance. Um, one thing we can talk about is when was your last risk risk assessment? And if you have one, and um, what were the requirements around that risk assessment? Did you remediate those? You know, and then, you know, we can just, you kind of turn the conversation back to where they're at in their security um, efficacy. And then you find the holes and say, we can solve that hole for you. Um, many cases, many cases, if, if they're not ready, you usually can find something to help them with and still eventually get into the VCSO. So if they're not ready for a full VCSO contract, we can do a risk assessment for mm-hmm. them. We can do some scanning. We have managed services that fill those holes um, and then eventually get them into a VCSO contract. Uh, you know, those are, are expensive and you, they do want to see the value. And I think that's a risk that every MSSP has. Whether it's a managed service or whether it's a professional service, we all struggle showing our value day in and day out. Yeah, um, and it's just something we have to continue to do. And and by shoring up those deliverables and making sure those conversations are thought provoking and you know cutting edge, we want to tell them of a breach before anybody else tells them of a breach. You know, we want to be ahead of all of that. We want to tell them that yeah, that didn't affect you at all because we had these five things already in place for you. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's where you, you, every MSSP will always struggle with that. And we just keep, you know, keep working that. When I started the industry, I had clients literally say, no news is good news from you. I don't want to hear from you guys. <laughs> it's not like that anymore. And, and, you know, the auditors and compliance are really driving that for us. So we had to switch our model. When when you're um, maybe showing the value of a, of a relationship, maybe kind of midway through or after it's already happened, is it, are you basically just saying, Hey, look, you brought us in here to check the boxes and we've checked all the boxes, or is there more of like a, almost like an ROI analysis that you can develop that, that shows, you know, for instance, maybe like business efficiencies that have been gained or, you know, contracts mm-hmm. that they were able to secure, secure because you were help you helped them meet, meet a framework. Like, how do you, how do you kind of talk about those things? 
Well, and it goes back to that relationship building aspect. So we can only prove our value on from some cases is if the client is transparent with us and, and helps us there, you know. Um, and so by doing executing our onboarding the way the way we do as far as by interviews and doing a risk assessment, we use those two factors and understanding their objectives and, and the board's objectives. We want to know what the board wants and what their risk tolerance is. So we use that to build out a strategic plan for the next year for okay. the VCSO. Many of our VCSO contracts go multiple multiple years, and so sometimes it's a three year plan or you know or more. And so then every quarter we can go back and review against that plan. So we we set ourselves up for success there by really understanding what they told us. We review what they told us and we create a plan. And then once we execute the plan, we can go back and show the value of that plan. Either it's through, you know, we have monthly deliverables, we have the policies that we wrote or created. Um, you know, best of all is, hey, you passed your audit. Good yeah. job. You know, <laughs> you know, you weren't breached. That was great. We did our job. <laughs> Those are the best things to be able to tell the clients. And then, you know, of course, we always we always have the you know, um, the data behind it. You know, the tickets, the the things that we actually created, the reporting we did. Um, evidence that we can show them as far as that they pass their their audit, those type of things. So um, it's really back to that relationship piece. Um, you know, if we can if we can get a start off on a really good foot where we have a really good plan, then we can show our successes and our value at the end. Awesome. What would you say are kind of the the few things that define the VCSO relationships that go swimmingly and like those that that don't? Um, I mean, you've, you've mentioned a couple of things like communication, setting expect, expectations, like having the right onboarding. Like what, what else? Um, the real, the, our clients must realize that they have to help us. They okay. have to be a part of that relationship. And many times they're like, we met with you. Don't you, can't you figure it out from here? And we can, but you're not going to be happy. Yeah. <laughs> you want to hear from us. You want to have, you know, those monthly meetings with us. You want to um, help, let us help you prepare for your board meetings. I mean, that's part of the plan. We can do those things, um, you know, hear out the suggestions we make, things like that. And um, so work with us through through the process there. Uh, sometimes our clients are like, I don't have time to meet with you. Well, And then a month later, we hear they're upset or they're, they're not seeing the value. Well, of course, you didn't meet with us. And so um, we need you to keep the meetings with us just as much as we keep with, with you, um, you know, and then have open conversation. If, if you're not happy with a deliverable, Many of them can be changed on a fly. You know, we have our standard set of deliverables that we we deliver. But, you know, if you don't like how a report is is showing or reporting, like talk to us about it, because many times we can change those reports because they come directly from the tool sets. So we just have to know to change that. And sometimes they just continue to accept a poor report or report that doesn't quite align with their business structure. And then they're like, oh, we wish we we could have changed that you got to tell us and yeah, we can right. absolutely change those things. But I think sometimes, you know, you get onboarded a certain way and you just don't think to ask. So having that open conversation and relationship is important. Awesome. Um, all right. We got a few more questions for you and we're going to wrap up. But before we do, I wanted to ask you just some kind of like nuts and bolts things about the kind of the business side of, of running the MSP, particularly how it, how it relates to kind of the VC so offering. So first question is, um, when you think about like kind of the entirety of your of your client base and the potential uh, opportunities to place VC SOs, like how do you think about actually staffing to that opportunity? Like, is there some kind of ideal ratio you have, or are you kind of like finding people on the fly when the need arises? How does that work? Well, um, 
you know, the easiest way to predict, you know, kind of utilization hours or hours applied to contracts there are, you know, we know how long it takes us to typically do a risk assessment and write policies and things like that. So you can do it on an hourly basis. Um, you know, and a lot of clients will be will want, um, you know, so many hours each month of VCSO work. Now, it really depends on do they have a CISO? Do they have anybody in house that helps with this? And if the answer is no, then we need more hours, right? Versus them doing it hourly. Um, my preference, and I think, I think the hour approach is a great approach when you're entering the market, right? Mm-hmm. And when you're working with them. But as you become a more mature MSSP and um, in in your deliverables and you understand, you just have um, better processes internally set up, you're working with the SOC better, some things just speed up. Um, I prefer to base it off of deliverables because that's really what, you know, what the client wants. That's, now you're basing it off your actual value you're delivering versus a subjective value of hours that, you know, if if you can deliver those hours, that is great. But, but you know, as an MSSP, we shouldn't be penalized because we've been able to um, automate something or deliver something. Yeah, essentially get resources. better at, your, at, your, at offering your services. Yeah. Right. Or having our SOC help with us. So because we get better at that, we shouldn't be penalized because we don't need to use four hours anymore. It's the value of the deliverable. And so I really look at the approach and, and I prefer... Um, you know, pricing these off of the value of the deliverable, not necessarily the hours delivered. Um, that allows us to scale better. It also allows us to really look at innovation and automation because if, if we can do that and still price our services off that, I can invest more into the innovation and automation of our services and and deliver, you know, not only better, better services through better uh, deliverables and evidence with, you know, different resources. Mm-hmm. Um, oh- and this is like my own knife Dave, so I'm going to ask anyway. Um, but like, what, what's an example of a deliverable? Is that like, I mean, can it be as big as a kind of a, an ongoing project or like implementation mm-hmm. of technology? Like how, how do you kind of think about those? Yeah. So the deliverables would be, um, so many of the compliance, in fact, all of them, I think require security awareness training. So, you know, the deliverable could be the report that you did a phishing campaign okay. each month and everybody in your company took the, took, failed or, failed or passed the phishing campaign, right? And then if they failed, they took the training. So we can create reports. Those are physical deliverables that you can prove that you have a cybersecurity security awareness training program in place. Um, other deliverables are our vulnerability scanning. So, you know, requirements, um, some of the uh, frameworks say that you have to do a continuous scanning. Well, what does that mean? Like continuous, every, you know, every second of every day? Well, we can deliver reports that say, you know, we scanned um, and these are the vulnerabilities and then we can show which ones have been remediated versus not and which ones are, are you know, um, high risk versus medium risk or low risk, those type of things. Um, and then as far as the deliverables on the, you know, directly related to the VCSO, so those are managed service deliverables, but they support a VCSO program, right? They're going to support that compliance requirement that's that's in those, those auditors are looking for. Um, but we could, you know, we deliver policy writing. So you have 300 policies and we have to rewrite 50 of them. You know, we can, del- those are hard deliverables. The risk assessment is deliverables and that just creates a strategic plan to meet your framework. So your right. risk assessment is based on the framework that you need to, to 
get from a um, the, the client's perspective. And so we base a risk assessment on that and that creates a strategic plan. And then we can go back and each one of those recommendations that we put in there, we can solve them throughout the year. And, and some are expensive and, and some are not, they're just minor tweaks, but we just have to have a baseline to start from there. So we work through those type of deliverables, board presentations, you know, there's always a trick to, to present to the board and to make sure you have everything that they're looking for and, and mitigating any risk that, that might be important to them. Yeah. So these are all sorts of deliverables. Totally. Well put. Um, last question I have for you. If people want to learn more about Ascend Technologies, um, if they want to get in contact with you, like how, how do you do that? Well, uh, we have a website. It's uh, teamascend.com out there. Anybody, you, can, you have my information. Anybody can reach out to me. My email address is uh, hlance at teamascend.com. Um, and you can reach out to me anytime. I love talking cybersecurity. Could talk all day on it. <laughs> right on. Well, you did a very good job of talking about it uh, for the last 30 minutes. So uh, Heather, I, I really appreciate you being here. Thanks a lot for doing this. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. I really appreciate it. Same here. There needs to be more of us out there. We all need <laughs> advocates for cybersecurity. Well, we're going to have you back on too. So hold that thought. Okay, I will do that. All right, see ya. All right, thank you.